So I met you a while back, I believe, when you were moving from GitLab to Netlify. And you've since joined Replicated. You're the VP of Engineering. You were the VPE at Netlify and then now at Replicated. And so whenever I'm in Austin, I try to see you, but it's very hard to get on your schedule. But <laughs> thankful that we can spend some time together. Yeah. No, it's always fun to chat and get chat. From seven CTOs, my name is Etienne De Bruin, and you're in the CTO studio. Your general org structure at Replicated is you have the CTO that you work with. A lot of organizations have the, especially at your stage possibly, the VPE reports directly into the CEO and work in tandem with the CTO. Yep. Yeah. And I really love actually the partnership I have here with Mark Campbell, who's our CTO, because we are in some ways peers and our focus areas are aligned with the two engineering tracks that I have here. So I think we touched a little bit on this, Etienne, in one of our conversations, but I am a big believer in creating that distinction between the management track and the engineering track. They very much have to work together and they're both technical tracks because they're serving the needs of the engineering team. But on the management track, I really want folks to be excited and responsible for the people and their success versus on the technical track, the leadership opportunities is to continue to be not distracted by people management responsibility necessarily, but really focused on growing as a technical individual, growing your leadership and mentorship and sort of that multiplier effect that engineers at staff and above level should be expected to contribute. For me personally, I was fortunate in the time that I interviewed with a company that allowed me to interview for both an engineer role and a manager role and get both. And the option was on the table to join as a manager at the time. So I wasn't necessarily just growing in the natural progression of coming in. A lot of folks come into management by being very tenured in the product or the team that they've worked on and they decide to try out management or maybe step into the management role from there. I really did have to step out of the product mm. team that I was working with and learn how to do it fresh in a management role. I love that because it's the intention around management versus falling into it. It's really interesting if you had a chance to read a book called Turning the Ship Around, and this is written by a submarine captain. He was prepared to step into a role where he's had the technical skills and he's very comfortable to come in and lead and be hands-on and so on. But what turned out to be is that his assignment was in a completely different domain and he had no experience guiding folks from a hands-on basis. And from that, really translating that leadership into how you're able to entrust and empower the engineers on your team to make the decision without you necessarily being the one who makes mm. all the decisions for everyone. So it's interesting because I know it's hard. I know like you come into management in a lot of different ways and there is no right or wrong about it. I think for me, it is recognizing that, and it doesn't have to be a ladder. I'll just like, sorry, side tangent about this. I don't believe that just because someone stepped into a management role, they can't go back and be an engineer mm. or just because they're on the engineering track, they can't try out management. But it's really about appreciating that 
the role of a manager is to support the engineers, to allow them to be the ones making the technical decisions, the ones who are spending all of their time thinking about the technology and the product and improving things on that side while they are taking on the care and feeding of the team and all the systems that allow that team to be successful. I was on a panel two nights ago, and the first question that was asked was, how did I know that I was becoming a CTO? Like, when was that moment? And I think it's in a way, if you conflate that to, hey, when did you know you were going to be a manager? Or when were you going to manage people? So whether a CTO is coding or managing doesn't matter, but more the moment when you realize, because I was a prolific coder, prolific, found my identity and my value in the code that I was delivering, even when I was a startup CTO. And it was an interesting sort of speed wobble for me when they asked me, how did you know that you wanted to be a manager or in the managerial role? So I want to ask you, what, why were you so drawn to, to going into that management stuff? And then maybe we can extrapolate that to what do we see in people that they either want to stay on the engineering track or they want to give management a, a, a go? The hard thing about this question is that I feel to some extent there is some like personal element to it. So for, for I can speak for me, what drew me trying out the role. And it was very much really enjoying the like celebration of other people's successes. It's not that I wasn't proud of my work. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's really awesome to get feedback on your individual contributions. But there was something about watching someone who was struggling with something really succeed with it. Or there was like a reward to see the team pull together and deliver something really big and meaningful and to feel like I played a small role in organizing some of that or in getting in allowing that success to exist. So I, I don't know that I like knew I wanted to be a manager till I actually stepped into it and had the other sides of the experiences mm. that we don't like to talk about, which is have a hard conversation with someone who's struggling. Because mm. management is really easy when everyone's doing fine. <laughs> and it's really hard when you need to coach and mentor and support and really create an environment where people with different skill sets and different personalities and different ways mm. of contributing can complement each other and actually be very successful. And that what it was a huge draw for me. Mm. I also have evolved also, like to me now, the VPE role is not just about people management, which is a big part of what why I wake up loving being in this role and super excited about some of the work I get to do. Is someone on an engineering track still managing process of code delivery potentially, or is would that be something that's specifically on the management side? Process management. I, I don't like to draw the line as to like manage, our managers are the only ones who are responsible or that it is their decision to define every process. I do actually think that it's pretty healthy to have that responsibility to somewhat shared between engineers and managers. I also think that part of the technical leadership is being able to drive a really complex technical project. That's oftentimes an underestimated skill. And it's something that I've seen amazing principals be able to drive without just like stepping back and only architecting. I think that's the thing is like, no, being alongside the team and really contributing, but also understanding how to bring all of these 
pieces together to complete the project. Mm. So there are some things that should, in my opinion, should still remain a blend between engineering and management mm. and give some flexibility to play to people's strength because that's when folks will shine and really be able to do amazing work. But on the people management side itself, I like that to be very clear. There is no ambiguity when it comes to who's taking care of the people. That's very much a manager responsibility. Mm. Is taking care of people defined as the standard career development, job ladders, performance reviews, one-on-ones, conflict resolution. Is that sort of what you're looking for in your engineering managers? Raise awareness when there's an issue, communicate coming upcoming releases, or is that, if we can maybe define what is an engineering manager in, in, in your eyes? Yeah, I'm actually pulling up our handbook page because yes. I wrote an, a page about, so similar to developing a career framework for the engineering track, I have similar thoughts on the management side of things. A lot of what you said, yes, does fit in with these are the manager responsibility that make sure that they're taking care of their people, but that's not the only thing. To me, it fall, there's a lot of different buckets. The people management side of it is very much what you covered. But in addition to that, I, have a section around making sure that managers are expected to provide clarity and communicate very clearly, not just to their teams, but across the board. So working very well with their peers, their stakeholders, the leadership team. There is a lot that a manager can truly become effective and a multiplier for their team by creating that clarity and having those systems for communication. There is a lot around driving the team's execution and making sure that they are not just supporting the individuals, but they're removing roadblocks. They are in tune with how long something is taken and what we can do to address that. They're in tune with the hidden costs, the glue work that mm. someone may need to pick up because there is no defined definition of this person needs to talk to this person to coordinate this work and make sure that it's documented and have the PR be reviewed at the end of the day and documentation kicked off and all of that. So there's mm. a lot that falls on really supporting the team to have the most efficient execution for us. And be, and maybe that's more because I've joined startups that are very much in high growth mode, hiring and making sure that we continue to bring on the best individuals to the team. But hiring to me doesn't stop at just recruiting or just extending someone an offer. Hiring The hiring category for a manager for me extends to onboarding them successfully, making sure that they have everything they need to contribute back to the mm. project to deliver on the work that they're expected to do. Definition of that. This should not surprise you, hopefully, but like metrics are another big category that I expect managers to be very much in tune of, not just engineering metrics, how well they're measuring the execution of their team, but that their team is delivering value. They know what they're delivering on the product side. They know how the feature is being adopted. They can drive X, like not just like, oh, great, we released this, but now we're seeing adoption with our customer base. Now we're seeing the next iteration that needs to come into that functionality. So this is a big part of why the manager track is still very much a technical track. It's because it absolutely involves 
picking up the product, understanding it, talking to customers, being a close partner to the product manager they're working alongside and so on. I love that. And so organizationally, do your engineers then report to the engineering managers? And I think last time we spoke, you spoke about having a full stack autonomous teams. Is that? That's right. So inside of that, do you then typically then have an engineering manager who runs that pod or that little team? Is that how it works? Yeah. I found lately a lot of success with that model. Not to say that every engineer is a full stack engineer, but the idea of a full stack pod is that you're creating a group that can deliver end-to-end functionality. They don't necessarily need to tap into someone else or have to borrow someone's skill set to be able to deliver on the work that they need to get done. And it's not always the easiest to put together, but ideally that's kind of what you want to see in a pod definition. I had a fantasy about 20, 15 years ago of building a tool that could, based on metrics, predict which people work the best together. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that it wasn't any most... <laughs> Like, for instance, if Alice works with Bob, their velocity is X. But if Alice works with Charlie, the velocity slows down. Velocity, of course, a debatable metric. And then you're like, listen, for we should always put Alice and Bob together based, based on metrics. I'm assuming your pods don't work like that. <laughs> No, I don't measure it to that, but I like it's joking aside a little bit. That is a big part of what a manager should think about when they're putting their team, not so much in do these two people get along, but do I have enough complementary skills on the team in order to get the work done? I am not a big fan of measuring individual metrics for the reason that. Somebody needs to write the code. Somebody at times needs to review it. Then these roles will swap. Someone may be stronger in executing in one friend than another. Having complementary skills is what makes a team Mm. strong. This is not like I refer to it as like there's two models and this comes from a book called The Advantage. So I don't want to pretend like I came up with this, but like the golf team. Yeah, I know me too. So like thinking of it as this is a basketball team or whatever your favorite sport is, people are not going to come in with the same set of skills and that's actually not going to make the team strong. The golf team model may serve a very early startup because you need every individual to run with something and deliver it. But as the team grows and matures, you want to see each other, people who really play to each other's strengths. And then you rely then, therefore, on your managers to compose those teams, give feedback on the teams, keep the awareness front and center on performance and all that. So I get that. One one thing that I want to ask you is, let's say, and I see this happen, a lot of times engineers will be curious, they'll be management curious. Do you have an eye? for whether someone would be a good fit for management versus to rather just stay in the IC track? I do. And I think most folks would will start by having a conversation with their manager or maybe with their skip level or whatnot. One of the things that I will share that has worked really well for me was introducing sort of a interim or a tri-management type of model. And that is really, it's easier to apply for a growing team because you're hiring a lot. There's new teams forming. There's an opportunity for someone to step in and try out the management track. 
I I can share a few opinionate. Make sure these things are happening when some when an engineer steps into that role, so they can truly figure out both for themselves is this the role that I enjoy, but also for the org to be able to get an assessment of yes, this is a good manager for our team. But trying out the management track has been a fantastic way of of giving folks an opportunity without penalizing anyone. Mm. If this doesn't work out, go back to being an engineer. You mm. are a fantastic contributor. Go back to that mm. and everyone can celebrate it. To see the failure as a success. Okay, we tried this out. It didn't work for us. Didn't work for you. Keep it's That's a great thing. I wouldn't even call it a failure. I call it like, again, this is why I don't believe that it needs to be a ladder for everyone. I think at times someone may step into management and for whatever reason, whether it be their skill set or the type of team or the startup stage or whatnot, it may not be a good fit, but I'd love for folks to have the opportunity to try it out again in a different setting and whatnot. I think where things become really difficult is when the opportunity is not presented as a try try this out and, mm. and see if it's a good fit. And I understand that it cannot happen in every setting, but when, it, when you can have allow it to happen, it's a really a win for you, a win for the individual, and a win for the team. Got it. So the idea for me then is you're managing all these people. You Someone approaches their manager. They're like, they want to try this out. I love this idea of giving them a trial period. Is there one or two or three things that in your experience that trial period has looks like what that looks like? I think a few key things. It should not be a step into this role for a week while your manager is out. That's not a real trial. Uh, that's just like, hold this while I go. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a very, because that's almost like a, that's almost seems like a normal thing to do, but no, it's not that. It's just not enough time for someone to really get a chance to step into the role. And really mm. what I'm talking about is a chance to step into the role, to put down your, I'm writing code every day and actually be hands off and, and not put PRs up for your trial. Mm. That often is the hardest step for, to actually accomplish because most of the time, this is the engineer who knows how to do most of the things. So it's really easy for them and it's their comfort zone to uh, come in and be like, oh, no, I think I'll fix it for you. It's a quick, yeah, it, it's yeah. like a two minute change. I'll do it. And the hard thing about management is actually not doing that. So mm. a part of the trial definition that I recommend is for people to actually see what would it be like if I am not contributing like that? Because the pitfall that I've noticed when engineers especially grow into management with the team that they've been engineers on is that they often end up with two full-time jobs and they're not able to mm. be good in either one of them. So then they either come to the conclusion that management's terrible, I can't do this, or I'm a failed engineer and I can't do this. Neither one of them is a really mm. good conclusion. So make it a three to four months trial a true take ownership of the team, of all people responsibility. Be aware of if you have someone who's being challenged on the team, how will you come in as their manager and coach them? How will you work on some of the people side of things, the HR side of things to help your team? Put down the code for a little bit. This is not that long of a trial, but that's what it takes to really mm. 
try something like that where you're figuring out for yourself and the company's figuring out or like the team is figuring out for you whether it is a good fit to step into that role. Yeah, and it's a pity in some ways because what got you to be a great engineer was solving problems, thinking quickly. It's all the the instant feedback from code working or it doesn't, all the sort of cliche things that it makes in a great engineer. And then to unlearn that habit that you have to step in, to fix it, to be the smartest person in the room, to always know the answers. That's such a difficult thing to unlearn. And the world's best managers are completely comfortable and confident with not being the smartest person in the room to not know the answers, to rely on the partnership in the team and the collaboration from the team to come up with possibilities and answers. And I imagine for someone in the trial period, man, that stuff's got to be damn hard. That's the hardest part of stepping in. And I don't want it to seem like the skills that made someone a great engineer are not useful. They're absolutely things that Mm. I still rely on. Like, Quickly detecting that there is a flaw in, wait, why are we designing in this way? You're always going to need that skill. So that's not what you're, what we're asking to give up. That's not what I think needs to be given up. I think it's, it's your, the second part of what you said, where you are allowing others to shine. You're, you are not the smartest person in the room. And it's actually super exciting to see smarter engineers contribute or more engineers contribute to the solution mm. and, and how they can come up with an elegant way of solving something. So really the learning is, you know, you know what? Someone else can do it better and it's yes. okay because that's it, not the role. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. So during this trial period, do you keep a tight loop on retrospectives or reviews or training? Is there like a buffer where there's, they first go for some training, all that? It, these are all really good ideas. And the truth of the matter in the application, there there's not a pre-training. <laughs> there is a, okay, great, we're putting together a new team. There might be an opportunity for you to come in. And really the support system is the manager committing to making sure that they will now be the coach for this engineer stepping into the management Mm. role. So I think it's a great call out. Without that commitment, it is not fair to just put an engineer on a team and hope that they manage it. I do think allowing for a framework of some mentorship or coaching Mm. for this person is going to be important as well. I want to step back to the VPE role. I'd love for you to share with me, like, what does the VPE do? And I ask that with the same reverence when someone says to me, (laughs) what does the CTO actually do? So I understand that there are nuances. I understand that it's not one size fits all. But I would love for you to speak to what makes a great VPE, regardless of the role of CTO in the organization. I know some CTOs are very active in the delivery. Others are not active at all. Some CTOs are in in the dungeon with the skunk works thinking about 10 years from now. I get that. But let's really focus on what, what is a VPE? What's a great VPE? Oh, that's a tall order. Uh, what do you do here? <laughs> what is it that you do? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. I, I will say, I'll caveat my answer because that this role equally will be different depending on the stage of company, depending on what is expected. But for me, what I've, what I've found coming into this role is 
like, again, similar to what we went through with the different responsibilities that I expect a manager from a manager is what I've taken on as a responsibility coming into a team as their first VP of engineering. A lot of the first steps is really figuring out how to organize the team. In a way, it is architecting the engineering team. That's not something to be taken lightly, maybe because I've seen and maybe believe too much in the in Conway's law, but without the thoughtfulness of how to organize the engineering team, you could unintentionally create a lot of friction in the product itself. And the responsibility here is to partner and be a good contributor to the future of the product, not just hire people and hope for the best. Assessing the org, understanding what are the responsibilities of this engineering team. How will you set them up for success? What skills do they need to deliver on that responsibility? So I think there's a step of figuring out that key roles and responsibilities of putting in some structure or organization to the team. And then from there, hopefully you're able to partner with the product org, because I truly believe that's the another important pillar. But knowing how to support the product team to execute and deliver this product. And that feeds back into hiring, feeds back into organizing the team, feeds into metrics that I would encourage every VP of engineering to start implementing and keeping an eye on. It's about making sure that we're setting people up for success. So creating these career development frameworks. Yes, you may be a small team, but it doesn't mean that there should be less of an expectation that every person in the org is growing and is learning new thing and is able to find a way to mm, contribute. Mm. One of my favorite things is actually creating that path for every individual to be impactful to the bottom line at the company. And that's easier in this stage because we're a small team and a small company, but it's also it's achievable for sure in a much larger team if you put together that autonomy and accountability model of how every individual in the org is contributing, is business or minded of how the company is sharing those values and that result-oriented type of measures, if you will. Is it safe to say that companies, tech companies with VPEs, have the VPE focus on anything, the ecosystem inside the company that delivers the software or the product? So the people, the process, programming. In my world, the CTO, again, this isn't a black and white thing, but the CTO looking at the overall viability of the business as it grows, scales, expands, the threats that could be, you know, becoming um, defining leadership inside of a category. So very much outward focused with the board, the investments and all that. I think I think knowing that there's a VPE that is obsessing over the health of the people, team structure, incentivizing people to really be generative and creative while delivering world-class software, repeatedly wonderful retention numbers. And I think the VPE's role is critical as far as that goes. I love what you said about the cross-functional help. I don't think, though, that it needs to be limited in some way to only those specific things. Because the impact that you're able to have is by being business-minded, is by both able to be externally facing as well as internally facing. But 
similar to why I like to separate the responsibility between the engineering track and the people management track. When you blend the responsibility, when there is not clarity on who is the primary person responsible for something, then it doesn't necessarily, like you're not setting people up for succeeding in those roles. So I think that's more, it's less about don't do this and Mm, more about Don't lose sight of this is the primary. This is super important and critical to the success of the team. So we absolutely want to make that the primary responsibility. But there is, I also very much enjoy a lot of the things that you said that are more externally facing, that are very much deep into the product. And where do we go from here? What does it mean to like... What is our team and how do we talk about it? And what are some of the areas of the product that we should expand on? And so these are things that interest me for sure, but I would not want to drop the ball on my primary responsibility. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think the key word there being primary and, and a distinction that everyone in the company understands. It's like the, it's like when I think about the C-suite, I think that there's a C and then there's a letter, and then there's an O. The letters that distinguish the people, in a way, becomes less important. It's just more important that as an executive, maybe every executive that reports to the CEO, in the end, you're all business leaders first. You just happen to have this primary function inside the organization. Do you have an opinion on when do we start looking at the CTO hiring or the CEO hiring their first VPE? What tension starts developing in the organization where the VPE is the solution to that? I have found that one of the things that I continue to come back to is leaving this golf team model. So you're no longer just a few individuals who are contributing taking a project and just running away, running with it. And you really need to move into that basketball or soccer team model where you need to have an organized method to deliver your product. And whether you bring someone on with the title VP of engineering or director or even manager, it's really about recognizing that we, we now are transitioning into a different stage that needs mm. some thoughtfulness behind it, that needs someone who's going mm. to be primarily thinking of architecting the org itself, not just architecting the product. I, I think that organizational wherewithal with a passion for engineering and technology through organizational design and a love for the human success and the human... I I think that stuff to me absolutely resonates as a VPE style role in a company. Again, at that top level, yes, are the distinctions important? No. When behind closed doors, is everyone yelling at the same volume? Yes. But when it comes to people understanding who, who they're working with, what their roles are, I think I can see a wonderful synergy between that CTO and VPE, VPE role. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun to me. That, this is the this is my favorite model, actually. So I don't know. Maybe I'll find another path, but for now, this is it. What do you? Because every time I talk to you, you're very v- vibrant and excited about what you do. Where? Why? <laughs> I'm a weird person. <laughs> 
No, it's a wonderful quality. I'm sure it's quite infectious in your organization. But where does that passion Tell me a bit about that. What's the? I think it to me, without dating myself too much, but like having many years of doing things and maybe doing some things okay and doing some things not okay, I do feel privileged to have come to this place because I have more and more clarity around what I enjoy and what excites me and what roles I seek and potentially how to identify teams I want to be with and just It is a privilege. I really do not have a better way of saying it. I don't take this lightly. And I don't want to paint the picture that getting to this place was an easy journey. I Mm. think I've, I've come to appreciate the harder times reflecting back on it. They weren't easy at the time. And I wasn't very cheerful about it at the time. I promise you that. But reflecting back on how these experiences, while they may not have been the best in my career, have also helped me define more and more what I'm looking for, what I'm good at, with p- potentially what makes me personally happy. So I would not take away these learnings. Mm-hmm. I think what I wish for folks is the ability have the learning, but also to, to take it and be afforded the opportunity to choose from that learning where to go. Unless you have any questions for me, I think we're done. <laughs> when you say it this way, how am I supposed to respond? <laughs> <laughs> No, I loved it. I love talking to you. I I talk to so many CTOs and I don't talk to enough people who are solving the problems you're solving. So I really enjoy that conversation. So thank you. Time. It, it was fun. It was a fun chat. Thank you for listening to today's episode of CTO Studio. This is a little taste of the many conversations we have inside 7 CTOs. In addition to our peer groups, 7CTO's members are also part of Slack, where ad hoc issues can be addressed by the larger collective. We also have one to two Zoom calls a week, where we go deep on specific challenges like brand new technologies, hiring strategies, people management, and expanding our influence and branding as technology leaders. Also check out 7CTO's.com where we publish our list of events like upcoming retreats and colloquiums in a city near you. Applications are always open, so mention CTO Studio when you apply and you'll get a free strategy session with me. Wouldn't that be fun? See you next week.